0: Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, February 2nd, 2024. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Executive Editor, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. When Publishers Weekly made its annual review of publishers
1: on the bestseller list, no surprise, the Big Five topped the adult trade book list. Yeah, that's right. Uh, size matters when it comes to the bestseller list in the book business. Uh, a look at PW's lists in 2023 showed that the Big Five held about 85% of the 2080 positions on PW's weekly hardcover lists, with, again, no surprise, Penguin Random House, the world's largest trade publisher, topping the list. As Jim Milliot notes in the article, even without acquiring Simon & Schuster in late 2022, which, of course, was blocked by the courts, Penguin Random House, which is the nation's largest trade publisher by a mile, still managed to actually increase its hold on the hardcover bestseller lists, uh, taking almost 37% of the spots on the list. That was up slightly from 35% in 2022. And that share actually came from the second largest publisher, HarperCollins, who took 16% of the spots on the list in 2023, down from 17.5% the year before. The Heshet Bit Group lost the most significant market share. They took about 10% of the bestseller slots on our list in 2023, and that was down from 14% the year before. Simon & Schuster, meanwhile, maintained a 14% share, and Macmillan maintained its nearly 8% share. And, you know, just a little quick math here suggests that if Penguin Random House had been able to add Simon & Schuster, they would have easily surpassed 50% of the list, but likely more if the Department of Justice's theory of the antitrust case locking that uh, the acquisition of Simon & Schuster held up in practice, because the combined power of these two houses would have actually given them more power to outbid their rivals and probably bumped up their share a little more. Alas, not an issue and not something we have to talk about. Interesting to note, too, for the second year in a row that the big fives hold on the bestseller lists actually slipped a little. Uh, just two years ago, the majors held more than 91% of the bestseller list slots. Now that's down to 85%. I guess the question is is something going on here, or is this an anomaly? And I'm kind of guessing the latter, given that a couple of indies in the last couple of years really did a lot to chip away uh, at the big five domination of the list. For example, last year, Entangled Publishing whose original edition of uh, Rebecca Yaros' fourth wing was on the hardcover list for 33 weeks and Grove Atlantic's The Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese also stayed on the list for 33 weeks. And also, Sourcebooks. Sourcebooks actually led the pack in the trade paperback format with 29 titles on that list, on the trade paperback list. They occupied 213 positions. of the 1,040 positions, basically accounting for about 20% of all trade paperback bestseller lots. This is Sourcebooks. A little complicated, however, because since the beginning of 2023, Penguin Random House has actually owned a 53% stake in Sourcebooks. However, the company remains structurally and operationally separate from PRH, officials say. And Circana Bookscan, which powers the PW bestseller list, continues to measure Sourcebooks bestseller list share separately from that of PRH. And it's also worth noting that Sourcebooks was actually powered by its new Bloom Books imprint. They accounted for 195 of those trade paperback slots. And, you know, one other note, we're no longer doing mass market lists. We used to, like, you know, break this down by hardcover, trade paperback, and mass market. And the chief reason for that is that mass market has actually become such a small part of the market overall. In fact, according to Circona Bookscan, mass market accounted for only 3.4% of all unit sales in 2023. In Monday's issue, Andrew, you look at the
0: children's book list, and it's a further reminder how size matters in the book business. Penguin Random House is at the top of the heap in one prominent format, but from there on in, it's a different cast, isn't it?
1: Yeah, correct, you are. You know, Penguin Random House is the perennial leader uh in the share of the best selling positions it occupies on the picture book list. And in twenty twenty three the publisher actually strengthened its grip a little on that first place position. Uh it took about thirty-four percent of the of the slots and that's up quite a bit from twenty twenty two when they had about 28% of the bestseller slots. Now I realize we should know how we get these numbers too, right? But it's very simple. Uh, We just measure a publisher's share of the bestseller list by determining the number of slots its titles occupy among the 1300 bestseller list positions that are available on our list throughout the year. That's it. Uh, So in 2023, Penguin Random House got 36% of the total slots on the list by putting, I think, 69 or 70 titles, I think 69 titles on the list, which occupied 438 positions, a little simple math, gives us the 36% number. And what's interesting, too, about the kids market, which you can read about in Monday's issue, is the sort of the stickiness of the backlist, right? You know, kids classics stick around. They are bought every year for new readers, right? So Penguin Random House has books like Eric Carle's classic, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, uh, which was on the list for the entire year last year. But then again, it also had new hits like Taylor Swift's Golden Books Biography, which you know was on the list for like 33 weeks last year. And again, with children's, we have to talk about source books because Penguin Random House's dominance of the picture book bestseller list would be even more pronounced if titles from source books were added to its total. Source books, again, measured as independent, had 26 books make the children's bestseller list and took about 11% of all positions. Now, on the children's fiction list – things are a little more interesting. That list is actually dominated by another large publisher, but not a big five, Scholastic. In 2022, Scholastic took, I think, almost 47% share of the fiction list driven by its, you know, this extraordinary number of books from these big authors, uh, fans of these authors in my household, Dave Pilkey, 2ET Sutherland, Scott Cawthorn. All of these authors had multiple books with long bestseller runs. But in 2023, it was only Pilkey and Cawthorn. Uh, They once again enjoyed long bestseller runs, but the result was that Scholastic's share fell about nine points. Still very impressive. Uh, Scholastic clocked in at the top of the list with 38% of the slots on the children's fiction list. But Penguin Random House was able to make a dent in Scholastic's really dominant position, upping its share of the fiction list to almost 18%. That up from 13.5% just a year ago. But with children's... You know, you also tend to see more strength in indies, right? Um, A relative publishing newcomer to the picture book list is Printer's Row Publishing Group. They're owned by ReaderLink Distribution Services. The company had eight books, hit the picture book bestseller list in 2023. You have companies like Candlewick that regularly hit the list. Candlewick scores big with, you know, Guess How Much I Love You that had a 32-week bestseller run in 2023 and, you know, appeared on the list for, I think, 37 weeks in 2022. Anyway, it's really fascinating to see where these companies all shake out, Uh, even though the big five definitely tend to dominate, at least on the adult side. You can read all about it on the PW website. Uh, The Kids List article comes out with this week's issue, which is also our children's announcements, which is a big issue for us. Uh, And you can actually look at all the books that will be coming out in the coming year and competing for slots on those bestseller lists.
0: Big Five publisher Simon & Schuster has a big birthday coming up this week. Andrew, the company kicked off a year-long
1: centennial celebration. That's right. I'm not going to sing happy birthday. I will (laughs) spare you all that. But here we go. It's starting. I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more around this event in the coming weeks and months. It's the 100th anniversary, the centennial for Simon & Schuster. 100 is obviously a big number. I think it's fair to say that 100 years later, Simon & Schuster is going strong. In fact very strong. They had some record sales years in recent years, and now they have a new owner and private equity firm, KKR, that appears to be poised to actually grow the company and invest in the company, and pretty significantly in short order, rather than, I think, as many initially feared, it back, which private equity firms often seem to do in these situations. KKR strategy seems poised to actually grow Simon & Schuster, something to definitely keep an eye on in this its 100th year. Anyway, company officials this week got the centennial celebration started with the release of the Simon & Schuster 100, a list of 100 books that SNS officials said were chosen to represent the breadth and depth of the company's publishing programs. Uh, The list is actually hosted on the company's new dedicated 100th anniversary website, which you can find with an easy Google search. The site also features a number of its prize-winning books and authors. There's a a special centennial video and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's definitely fun to check out. And the centerpiece of the celebration will come on April 8th when the company is going to host Author Author, a Simon & Schuster centennial celebration at New York City's Town Hall Auditorium. Town Hall is a great venue, so if you're in town, you'll definitely want to check that out. Uh, The event will also be live-streamed. It's going to feature, at this point, I think more than 30 Notable Simon and Schuster authors for an evening of what they're calling stories, conversation, and memories. The event will be open to the public, so anyone can get tickets. And Simon and Schuster is going to donate twenty percent of the net proceeds of ticket sales to the Book Industry Charitable Foundation. Also in the works is a book, Simon and Schuster: A Century of Publishing, uh, by Juliana Hobner, an illustrated book that will chronicle the history of the publisher. Uh, covering the various actions that led to the formation of what is today's Simon and Schuster. And in case you're wondering, April 10th, 1924, that's the date book historians are pointing to. That's the date when Richard Simon and Max Schuster published their first book, a work of great fiction, a work of serious history, you may be wondering, award-winning poetry. Nope. It was a book of crossword puzzles. Humble beginnings, for sure, for what has certainly become uh, one of the world's uh, greatest and the third largest U.S. trade publisher.
0: Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Executive Editor, thanks for joining me today with your reporting and editorial
1: analysis. My pleasure, as always.
0: Coming up on CCC's podcast... The inaugural session of the Advanced Publishing Institute convened last month at New York University. On the week-long program's final day, International Publishers Association President Karini Panza offered the class of mid-career publishing executives her global perspective, emphasizing professional responsibility as seen from many angles. Karini Panza tells me she places special importance on the responsibility to preserve the freedom to publish, which faces threats around the world. The freedom to publish, like the freedom to read and the freedom of expression, is under increasing pressure around the world. We see publishers being threatened in many different ways, whether that is through more traditional state pressure, but also on social media, like media pressure. We see books, especially for young, being targeted. So nominations for our 2024 Prix Voltaire are now open until March 22nd. And we hope to be able to recognize more brave publishers who stand as an inspiration to us all. On publishing and responsibility, next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. Subscribe to Velocity of Content wherever you go for podcasts and don't miss an episode of the show. The CCC podcast is also available on the CCC YouTube channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for joining me.